11 more days. I told you we were counting down. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show, folks. I'm David Anson, joined today by Stock Advisor Analyst, Brendan Matthews. Good to be here. Friend of the show, you're back. I'm happy to be here. I love doing this show. We are happy to have you. We're going to talk about Berkshire. You're actually coming with Matt and I, Mike Olson, Scott Phillips, Alex Shear. We're all going to Omaha in two weeks. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But we're first going to talk about a a broker. Mm -hmm. And you recently sat down with Interactive Brokers CEO, Thomas Petterfee, if I can say that name right. right. I think I got it right. Uh, you went up to, the, to their headquarters, sat down with him, talked with him. We've talked about TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, Schwab, kind of the, the bigger guys mm-hmm. on this show before. Give our listeners and our viewers the quick rundown about what Interactive Brokers is and why is it different from the others. So Interactive Brokers, it, it, it's a brokerage, um, mm-hmm. but what makes them different is it's really focused on using technology and automation to drive down costs, and they have a very focused customer customer base. They're focused on sort of more sophisticated investors, those that tend to trade more often, use options, um, invest outside the U.S., or interested in sort of a wider array of instruments. And mm-hmm. basically, they, they use technology to keep the cost down. They don't really advertise. They just feel if they create the best product, customers will come to them. And what's really interesting about their business is they're sort of a, an anti-fragile aspect to it in the sense that they benefit from volatility. Mm-hmm. So when the markets are moving around a lot like they did last quarter, it's one of the companies that, that will benefit because their customers will be trading more. Right. I mean, mentioned the no advertising. That's probably why people don't hear about them so right. much because TD Ameritrade, Schwab, they advertise so much. And the commissions at Interactive Brokers are what in the almost, is it $1, $2 for, for a trade? It, yeah, it's very low. It's, mm-hmm. The commissions are based on a per share basis, but, okay. but typically their, their commissions are significantly lower than, than other brokers, and, and they still manage to generate a 50% profit margin, even charging among the lowest commissions, and it's really that magic of technology and automation. When I was listening to the interview that you did with him, one of the things that jumped out to me, you asked him, do you guys benefit any higher interest rate environment? Right. And that's something that TD Ameritrade, they highlight, they say when interest rates go up, we're going to make a lot more money on all of this money that we have sitting here. Mm-hmm. He said that's not really the case with interactive brokers. Why is that? So he said that they will benefit, but not as much. And here's why. Typically, when they charge margin rates to their customers, they, they charge much lower rates than other brokers. And so the spread between their cost and, and their interest rate mm-hmm. um, sort of earnings is pretty low. And they don't. They don't really. They don't really view interest rates as a primary money maker the way right. other banks do. So they're more focused on just kind of the commissions, the trading. Right. Exactly. System. You mentioned them benef- benefiting from this past quarter. They reported earnings. Great earnings. Blew it out of the water. The stock was up twelve percent. Right. In your personal opinion, I know this is a stock that you followed for a while now. Yeah, and I actually is, own it too. Is it? approaching fairly valued? Is it overvalued now, undervalued? Where do you kind of sit with the valuation day after that big I, I still think it's. I, feel, I still think it's, it's, it's cheap to, to fairly valued, even at 12% higher, because when you look at what they reported the quarter, they've got more accounts, more trading activity. I'm, I'm still very... Um, I still think track, stock is very attractive, even at a higher price. All right. All right, moving on to, to the Berkshire. Mm-hmm. I mentioned in the intro, we got to talk about it. We're going in... The meeting's in 11 days. We're going a couple days before. We're counting down the 11 days with the 12 Days of Berkshire series on Fool.com. Today's article is 11 things in your house that's making Warren Buffett money. So going through all of the kind of consumer goods that you may not have 
known that Berkshire owned. I didn't realize they owned Spalding, the basketballs. Did you know that? No, I didn't. It's up under Russell. Russell owns it. And then, yeah, he owns everything. One of the things you learn at the meeting is they have an exhibitor floor, and you see all the different products that are Berkshire mm-hmm. products. And there's a huge number of things that I, was, I had no idea were Berkshire products. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you, you've gone before. Mm-hmm. I've never been before. I'm assuming a lot of our listeners have never gone out to Omaha for the meeting. What's the most valuable part? Is it the Q&A with, with Charlie mm-hmm. and Warren? Is it walking around the exhibit hall? What's, what do you find the most valuable for the meeting? Well, so before I get into the most valuable, I'll say the most entertaining thing is they do a pre-roll sort of video that's not shared publicly. Last year, there was sort of a spoof of Breaking Bad. Okay. That's always very entertaining, so I find it valuable in that sense. In terms of informative, it's definitely the Q&A, and it's really the questions that are focused on Berkshire's businesses and other businesses that I find really, really valuable. Gotcha. Um, Looking at the other side, Mm -hmm. what is the most overrated part of the experience? I mean, it's a three-day kind of Warren Buffett love fest. Is there anything that you're like, I thought that would be kind of cool, but it was kind of sucked? So, um, you know, first of all, Warren's favorite restaurants, Gorat's and Piccolo Pete's, not as good as I thought they would be. But uh, during the Q&A, there tends to be a lot of questions about sort of political policy, macroeconomic issues that I don't find that valuable. I know other people really eat that stuff up, but I don't love it. So last year, two of the first questions, one was about quantitative easing, one was about um, corporate profits as a percentage of GDP. I'm just as interested in hearing Buffett speak about that as anyone else, but I'm really more focused on sort of individual businesses, and so I don't find that as valuable. Right. Everyone wants to hear Buffett's, his tidbits on QE, on kind of where the market sits. Mm -hmm. But I'm with you. I'm more interested in hearing what he has to say about Berkshire itself. Again, this is the Berkshire shareholder annual meeting. So what are you most looking forward to in terms of that part of the Q&A? What businesses, uh, what insights are you looking for from the Berkshire perspective? So anything that's about a Berkshire-specific business, I'd be very interested in. I'd also be interested in hearing him address two questions that I think he kind of flubbed last year. Hmm. So the first one is he was asked about IBM. I don't think he really gave a, a great explanation for why he bought IBM, why he likes IBM. Um, you know, the IBM stock has, has really struggled revenue-wise um, since he bought it. Right. And so I'd just like to get an updated perspective from him on that. And then the second issue is usage-based insurance. He didn't, um, he didn't really have a very good answer for that question last year. So if he had other thoughts on progressive and the future of, of car insurance, I'd be interested in that. And then anything that's really about... Um, Berkshire businesses or business in general. Last year I had a question about uh, Sherwin-Williams. Mm-hmm. Or not Sherwin-Williams, about uh, Benjamin Moore, the right. business, which touched on Sherwin-Williams. And it was kind of a little mini-tutorial on the paint business, which most people probably found very boring, but right. I actually thought was really enjoyable. Uh, going back to the, the IBM uh, question a little mm-hmm. bit, has, has Buffett ever had, I'm not sure if he has, a position this big where he's kind of made a mistake. I mean, it's too early to know if mm-hmm. IBM was a good or bad purchase. They've only held it for a couple of years now. Right. That's not that's tiny in terms of Buffett's long-term thinking. Right. But has there ever been precedent for him making a mistake in a large purchase like this and it, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like if he if they had to start selling that off gradually. Yeah. Well, he certainly made what he's described as mistakes with um, with uh, Salman Brothers and with uh, airline deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, know, I don't know if this is the same situation, um, but no, I don't think that there's really a precedent for that. One of the things that's going to be interesting, and it was a new addition last year, is the, is the bear case, yeah. the bear presenter uh, who's up on stage with, 
Becky Quick, Andrew Ross Sorkin, trying to say this is why Berkshire is not going to beat the market and is, is not a buy today. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weak last year. Yeah. It wasn't a great bear case. It was basically the standard things that you hear. Oh, it's too big. It's not a great price. Buffett's not, doesn't, it's not at Buffett's buyback price. That's it. That was kind of the base argument there. Right. The stock's up some 30% yep. since last year's meeting, 20 30%. Do you think the bear case can be stronger this year, or is it still going to be weak? Well, so it's a very tough job um, going to that meeting and doing a bear right. case. Uh, <laughs> One against, like, 80,000. Yeah. Um, then again, it was pretty weak last year. Hard to, hard to imagine it being much weaker. I think, I think we'll see something a little bit stronger this year, but uh, probably I, I'm not expecting much compelling stuff out of it. Is it the bear. same guy doing it? Was, it? was it Doug Cass last year? It was Doug Cass last year. I'm not sure who's doing it this year. I, I, I would be surprised if he was invited back. <laughs> Got the boot. Um, all right, last Berkshire question. We asked this yesterday. Tyler Riggs and I discussed it. Mm-hmm. Is there a stock in the Berkshire equity portfolio that you think is especially attractive today that you kind of, or just have on your radar as an investor? Sure, yeah. One that I definitely have on my radar is DirecTV. Okay. So the U.S. subscriber base has actually been holding up better than you would expect. Um, there's tremendous growth for subscribers in Latin America, and then they're just buying back a ton of stock. Right. Like a ton of stock. So is, is it kind of just the cheapness of the business, or is it cheapness plus the growth opportunities there? I, I, I think it's a combination of both, and it's, it's a fact that they're using very cheap debt to retire a lot of shares, and you're seeing very, very strong growth in earnings per share. All right, DirecTV. All right, well, we'll see you at the meeting. Okay. And we will continue to count down the days till Berkshire. Should be interesting. It's going to be a good time. We've got the live chat going. We're going to have uh, video for the premium members mm-hmm. and Stock Advisor and the other services, right? Yep. Is there any other features that I'm that I'm missing? Well, uh, I mean, uh, Matt will be tweeting yes. relentlessly, I'm sure. Yes. Um, and then I think we'll be doing some some videos on the floor. Um, Rex Moore will be there doing that. So there'll be a lot of good coverage. It'll be good. All right, let's finish off on the Twitter sphere. We only have one tweet for today, but this is an interesting one. got me fired up this morning. It's from Nick Timoros. He says, Americans list real estate as best long-term investment, according to this Gallup poll. Significant turn for housing. It says at Gallup, that's who did the poll there. And we have a, a chart of kind of what the results were. And 30% of people say real estate is the best long-term investment, 24% stocks, 24% gold, 14% savings accounts, and 6% bonds. Are you, are you shaking your head? 30% of people think real estate <laughs> is the best long-term people, investment. Yeah, people, people don't learn. I guess people don't learn. They don't look at, they don't look at Short-term history, long-term history, um, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. And it, even back in 2012, it was still like, where, where do we got real estate on there? Still 20%. Yeah. That was like kind of at the bottom of the housing market. People still thought housing. Yeah. I think that would be a wake-up call. I think, I think the reason people think housing is such a great investment is because they don't look at it from, an, it's, the, it's the investment that they hold the longest, right. and they don't look at it in inflation-adjusted terms. So you can say, hey, I bought this house for $100,000 20 years ago, and now it's worth $400,000. What a great investment. Well, right. you know, you held it for such a long time that you allowed it to appreciate. If people approach stocks the same way, I think that they would think of, of, of stocks the same way. Do you think it's maybe a little bit skewed to the fact that a house is something tangible, and they're saying, I'm buying this, of course it's going to be worth more in, it, in the future. Yeah, and then also you just can't, you can't reasonably trade your, you know, if on a whim I, I decided to trade my house, I couldn't, right. really, I couldn't really do it, I'd have mm-hmm. to think about it, and so people t- tend to hold longer. Well, hopefully they will learn that 
stocks are probably the better long-term investment. That's why we're here. Mm -hmm. We're trying to get that message out there. Hopefully they learn. All right, that is our show for today. You can find us on Twitter at TMF Financials. You can send us an email, WTMI at fool.com. You can follow the Berkshire series. We've been tweeting them out uh, with the hashtag 12 Days of Berkshire. We will see you tomorrow. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.